Hey, Rifters. Welcome to the show. Subscribe, rate, and review. Very excited for this one. Uh, Alan Lee uh, won't be here. He, he, he canceled at the very last second. But we got the great Ann Cusack on the Zoom. You guys know how much I love the Cusack family. This is a dream come true. You've seen Ann Cusack from Better Call Saul, The Boys, and the Jeff Foxworthy show. Enjoy the show. If you like it, subscribe, rate, and review. All right, guys. Rock and roll. Enjoy it. Hey, Rifters. This episode of Raise a Wrist with Ann Cusack is brought to you by amybrick.com. Is it time to sell your house? Are you ready to cash in on this amazing real estate market? Amy Brick can help. Amy is an amazing real estate broker. She gets homes, homes sold quickly for more with her two showing selling system. She routinely even shocks herself with the crazy high prices she gets for her sellers. If you're interested to find out how much your house would sell for, go to her website and contact her, Amy Brick, with Brick and Company Real Estate. Amy's website is amybrick.com. That's amybrick.com. Her DRE license number is 01358129. Again, her DRE license number is 01358129. Amybrick.com. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. And hi, Reza. Hey, how are you? It's Keith. How are you? Okay. Why does it? Why did it have Reza? Oh, Reza Rifts is the name of the show, and my oh, last name. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> Keith. Oh, my uh, apologies. My apologies. No, not at all. Thank you so much for doing this. I've been looking forward to this forever. So thank you. That's awfully nice of you to say. Yeah. <laughs> but uh. I thought like, uh, like I, I was like thinking, okay, maybe she might be an hour late because of daylight savings time. You ever heard? Yeah. 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 No, we changed, <laughs> we changed our clocks. So I'm, um, clearly you did too. So <laughs> <laughs> I always thought like daylight savings time is like a bad relationship. It only lasts us six months. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so uh, I, I like to start off the show with like, a, I, I have a trusty uh, co-host, but he got uh -huh. sick, so he's not going to oh, come. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. But I like to start off with a goofy question and then we go serious and then we go back goofiness. I'm all up for silly. All right. So goofy question number one, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective Jr., huh? Right. Hello. <laughs> so fun. Yeah. How is that? Like, uh. Because I saw that movie when I was a kid, or not really a kid, like late teenager, but that was like a kid's version of Ace Ventura. Well, yes, the idea was that it was Ace Ventura when he was a kid. Yeah. So um, it was really fun. We shot it in uh, Orlando, Florida. And um, I think one of the, you know, the, uh, it was so lovely working with the young man who played Ace Ventura. He was just, he was lovely. 
Um, and it was fun being in the Disneyland world. Um, but one of the cool parts was um, interacting with the alligators. Holy Lord. We, we actually went to this one part and you, you know, they had the alligators there and, you know, you were up close to a lot of the animals. So that was, that was the really cool part to me. You know, one Great. of the cool parts was, was actually getting up close to some of the alligators and learning about that. And you're not scared of alligators? No, no if, oh. if I'm in the water and they're coming at me, yes. If I'm <laughs> outside of the tank or on the land where they're not, I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm very scared of like the alligators and the snakes and all that stuff. Like, I'm like, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the thing that's interesting, like alligators and crocodiles, um, they, uh, they have not changed on an evolutionary scale from uh, what they were like thousands and thousands of years ago. So it's kind of interesting. They're, they still have their prehistoric DNA. Yeah. DNA. They, they kind of look like dinosaurs to me. Well, yeah. You know, like they, they like, you know, slow. They're in, in, in uh, Africa, they can go up to, um, it wouldn't look like this, but they can move up to 60 miles an hour. Holy Lord, that's fast. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to mess with them. You know, yeah. don't get close and you're on land because they will. Okay. Uh -huh. I'm they so move. glad you know they everything move. about alligators. Well, I learned that. <laughs> I learned a bunch of stuff, you know. I, uh, I have um, Asperger's syndrome, so I know like a lot about like certain animals too, like bears. I know everything about bears. Do you? Yeah, you, you want to hear a couple uh, bear facts? Love to. They're from Chicago. Ha! Love that <laughs> comedy. I I do stand the up. <laughs> the bulls, yeah. the hawks. Yeah, and then uh, before they become bears, they're cubs. So. Right. Yes. And, you know, after 108 years, they win the World Series again, you know. I know. Isn't that awesome? Yes. <laughs> so uh, that was a great day. Oh, yeah. I bet you. I bet you. We were like, yeah, finally. <laughs> oh, oh this, this city exploded. The city exploded. Yeah. Were you in Los Angeles when that happened or did you go yes, to Chicago? Yes, I was. Ah, it would have been nice if you were in Chicago. It would have been, been amazing to be there. It would have been amazing to be there. But I do have, um, I do have this. Oh, it's a hat. Oh, my. For the folks at home, because we don't promote the video. Oh, and, okay. And Q-Tech's wearing a hat. I'm I, I'm wearing a World Series champions 2016 Cubs hat. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so, um, speaking of Chicago, um, obviously you got into the acting. You know, your dad was a filmmaker as well. Like, did that help you? Like, say, hey, I want to get into acting by what his work was doing. Um. No, only in that, um, uh, you know, I, I felt comfortable on a set. Um, I, you know, I understood what filmmaking was kind of about from an early age, you know. Um, did it help me personally with my career? No, not really. Yeah. Uh, but, um, 
but it, you know, it helped me be, um, it helped me with seeing and being and observing the world of filmmaking and commercials and television and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I saw the, the basis, you know, very young. Sets or visiting my dad when he was shooting stuff. So, but you know, it didn't really help me so much with my career. Just didn't you know partially introduce me to the world. Yeah, like uh, my adopt my adopted uncle is Patrick Warburton. So like, uh, oh, he's lovely, man. Yeah. So like, growing up, I would go see him do um, less than perfect and roles of engagement. And all that stuff. And I was like, oh, I always wanted to do the acting stuff. But then, like, I realized I'm not a good actor. I'm a better comedian guy. You know oh, I mean? are you? Yeah, I, I do stand-up comedy. Hey, fantastic. Yeah. Where so do you do that? I, I, well, I used to tour with Norm MacDonald until he passed. Oh, oh yeah. I'm so sorry. That's, that must have been a big loss for you. Yeah. And um, I was one of the very few people who knew he had cancer. So it was kind of you know and uh now i tour with jay moore and uh oh jay moore i did a i did a ghost whisperer uh i did do a ghost whisperer but um i also did a um another uh i think it was called black river years and years and years ago that jay that jay was one of the leads on oh yeah Yeah, he's a he's a sweet guy yeah he's a lovely man so that's where like my humor comes from is from comedy. And I guess the point I was trying to make is like, as I was a kid, I realized maybe I don't want to be an actor. I just want to do the TV, but do the funny, the fun stuff. You know do, what I mean? Do, do, the, do the comedy. Well, God knows we could use a lot of laughing right now in the world. Yeah. that's yeah. So it's, a, it's a big service to humanity if you're making people laugh. Yeah. And then you have that ability too, because you were, you, you, and that was another question I want to ask you, because when you did the Jeff Foxworthy show, that's yeah. where I, that's where I know you from, but you, you weren't on the first season. You, you took over some other lady. Like, what was that like? Like, did you have, well, to- what happened is it went from one network. Um, it went, I think it was, uh, NBC. I, when, when Jeff switched over to NBC, yeah. um, that's when I came on board. Yeah. So um, that's when I ended up, you know, playing his wife for the second season, you know, with um, Jonathan Lipnicki and and Jolie Hale Osment were, you know, were my kids on the show. And uh, Haley Joel had done, you know, not too long ago, he'd done the Sixth Sense. Yeah. That movie. And then um, Jonathan he sees Lipnicki. dead people in that movie. That's right. <laughs> then. And then Jonathan Lipnicki, Jonathan Lipnicki um, had done Jerry Maguire. So that came out while we were shooting the show. Uh, well, how was it like, like going in from a part that was like, how did you put your own spin to it? Like, I guess that's what I was trying. Well, to- I mean, a lot, a lot of that uh, just had, has to do with the writing, yeah. you know, and how they, how they changed it all up. So um, it was just in the writing and then how I was being directed. And then, you know, I would make some choices and given that it was a sitcom and it was, you know, the premise of the show is, you know, uh, um, where they, you know, they had um, Jeff was kind of a fish out of water. I, um, I was, you know, 
I knew what my role was in the story, which is to help sort of facilitate Jeff's, you know, characters arches, you know, emotional arches through the through the show. So that's so I kind of understood the role that I was supposed to play and how I supported or was setting up what Jeff's character was to go through in that particular episode. So it it you know it, it was I had some pretty clear guidelines about you know what I was supposed to do and where I was guided and you know if they didn't like something or I was going off in another direction they'd tell me <laughs> no. so and then I go okay all right I'll make an adjustment and you know I did something else now when you get those guidelines like when you do a comedy but you also got like because you, you study under David Mamet like how how like that's two different far opposite to the line like how do you put yourself into that you know well it's not really. I mean, it's basically, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, let's see, how, how, how would I describe it? This is going to be really bad, a bad description, oh. because I'm not, you know, I, I, I should be a little bit more prepared on this answer to this. I apologize. It's, it's like, it's basically, it's, it's kind of like, if you know how to dance, you know, okay. It's just learning different styles. Yeah. So if you basic know basic ideas about how to do a ballroom dancing, then it's, you know, you've got the jitterbug or you've got waltzing or you've got a bolero or you have salsa. And although they may be similar sort of steps, each is very specific to its own in terms of how you do the skips, what you're doing and how you physically and emotionally invest in them. So it's, you always have to be emotionally present and you're using your own self and your own feelings and your own thoughts, but you make certain adjustments because of the genre that you're, you're acting in. So, you know, a sitcom is very different from an hour long drama, but yet maybe the premise is the same, but as a, because it's a comedy, you're going to do a, maybe a, a slightly different take or tone or rhythm, which makes it funny. Yeah. As opposed to going very serious and down a rabbit hole. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's all about how you, you know, how the, uh, I don't know if that really answers your question, does it? No, it totally does. It's yeah. like a dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, you have to start with yourself and the, you know, the premise of a drama can be also a similar premise to um, a sitcom. It's just where you're allowed to go and how you're, you emotionally navigate that. And if it's a comedy, how you, the spin you put on it in terms of your performance and rhythm and timing, that, that makes it kind of different. Now, would you say, cause you started in Chicago, you also went to the Jeremy Theater to get training, as I said before, David Mamet, would you say like Chicago is, is a place for young actors to go to start? Or do you think they could do that in Los Angeles too? Um, I, th I think you can be, um, I think you can be anywhere. I think what, what makes a good, um, it has to do with the teacher. Yeah. It's finding, you know, it's finding the teacher and they're, they're good teachers all over the country. Um, it's just a matter of kind of zeroing in. There are certain, periods of time or certain areas that sometimes tend to generate, you know, more comedic actors or maybe more drama ones than, than some other, like, you know, Second City was based in Chicago. So in terms of, you know, the, the uh, 
which came out of the Compass Players, which was in University of Chicago in the 50s and 60s. So that, um, you know, that started and that had, you know, the, the improv and, and comedy and, and comedy you being used for social commentary or political awareness or education or just, you know, reflecting on the human condition. Right. So, um, you know, that was a particular, you know, that, that generated a lot of, of improv and comedy, which then spread around to other parts of the country. So then, you know, people, you know, um, well, you don't know, but um, the, uh, um, uh, I mean, not that you don't know, but I, I'm. No, I get it. On, you know, You're like, you're just a comedian, I, you know. Articulating <laughs> I'm assuming you do. Um, then, you know, those people go out to different, uh, different you know, parts of the country. Like they'll go to say Madison, Wisconsin, or they'll go to New York, or they'll go to Detroit, or they'll go to the, you know, Florida, or they'll go to the West Coast or California or wherever, you know. So it's, it's, it's really about um, where the individual teachers are, you know. Do you, do you think like the art of acting uh, with times, you know, with technology obviously getting better and stuff, do you think that it's easier for people to do acting than it was back like say in the early thousands, late nineties? No, I mean, I, I think it's all, it's, it's always, it's always the same. I mean, I, I, I feel very fortunate in that, you know, I was able to study and train at the Pivot Theater Workshop in Evanston, you know, under um, Vernon Joyce Piven, who came out of the Compass Players and they, they formed their studio and then Second City had their, you know, had their, uh, they went more the comedic riot and uh, the Pivens went more in terms of the training of actors, which also included how you handle comedy and that kind of thing. Um, but to speak to your question, um, I, I think whether, you know, under we're in the COVID era, so we can't really, we're still struggling to figure out what is normal and whether we can still be in, a, in you know, an enclosed room together without masks. So I think technology has or may have helped to continue, you know, actors training, learning how to, you know, learning their craft of, of what it is to be an actor and how you approach a script and character and connecting to people and all of that sort of stuff. But I think the process of becoming actor, an actor is, is always challenging, you know? Yeah. Now with, with COVID, uh, how, how, how is it when you film scenes for whatever project you're working on? Like, how is it different? Like you obviously I'm assuming you got to get tested negative to do it, but like it does the rehearsal stage kind of, do they trim that out of the way or? Well, well the, you know, the, the, uh, our, our unions, whether it's SAG or IOTC or the writer's guild, director's guild, um, they all came together when COVID was first kicking in because our, you know, industry was devastated you know, because nobody could sort of work. So they figured out protocols on how do we keep, you know, the actors safe because you can't, you can't work with a mask. Right. You know, unless that's what the scene's about or that's part of the scene that's been written in. So um, they had to figure out what would be safety protocols and they came up with different zones. So anybody that's on camera is sort of zone A. So anybody that would come close to the actor had to say um, in my Latin, my recent experience, which is 
I was just working on The Good Doctor. Um, the Good Doctor. That's a that's a great show. That's about a doctor who has autism. I have autism. You have autism as well? That's Asperger's, Asperger's? yeah. Yeah. It's oh. a form of autism. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not like, like, I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's not like The Good Doctor. Like, I can't tell if you have a broken spine or whatever, but... <laughs> <laughs> no i think that's that's unusual they took some license there yeah but yeah. uh but yeah you know i i do know i do know a lot about presidents and uh jokes and stuff so i'm pretty yeah. good yeah but yeah but no i mean i was just saying the good doc well i would love to know what your experience is with with having asperger's and how you in terms of how that affects your relating to people or not, or yourself or, or. Um, well, basically what it is, is like, I don't see facial expressions or social cues. So like when I talk to people, it's literally like a big, it's like a big question mark. Like, like so a, you're, you constantly feel like you, you're, you're yeah. in a state of unknown. Yeah. Like I can see your face and I know what you look like, but it's just a question mark. Like I, I, I basically, go with off energy so like if, if i if i feel good energy i like okay this person might like me or maybe they're being nice but i'll lean towards like me if i feel bad energy i'll be like yeah maybe they don't like me and maybe i should just still oh, annoy them so fascinating that yeah. you're so you're so sensitive to energy does does um your audio hearing does that have an impact in terms of your ability to feel safe or or know whether it's someone safe to be with or not or well i mean i am sensitive to loud noises but mm -hmm. uh but like uh like babies i would be a terrible dad because if a baby's screaming i would be like uh you know what i mean mm -hmm. so um but yeah i mean like like conversations and stuff like obviously that's okay but like if it's like jackhammers too like yeah, well, I don't like that. That 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 I get jarred and agitated and rattled when I hear any kind of really loud. Yeah, it, it also sucks. Like, it's kind of like very strange because I do stand up comedy too, so I'm so sensitive to loud noises. But what I do is like, when I do it in a in a club or a theater or a bar or a mm -hmm. coffee shop or whatever, I just uh, let the laughs roll past me, so I don't hear laughs. I just hear energy. So like, that's why, like, I don't know if I'm funny or not. So you don't know if you're funny or not? No, I mean, I know I'm funny, but I'm just like, like right now, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think it's all about being confident too. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I don't think necessarily talent is a, is a thing, a profession, like maybe even in acting, I think if you're confident that you're this, this role, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like mm -hmm. I can never audition against Tom Hanks and be in. Well, who can? It's <laughs> Tom. You can't audition against him. <laughs> you <can> do that. <laughs> do you have uh, any crazy audition uh, stories where, like, you went in and you thought, uh, like, you obviously wanted to try your best, but just something inside you said, eh, it wasn't that good, but then you actually got the part? Um, I've had every kind of experience that you can have with auditioning. So I've, um, I've gone in there and thought, 
oh, wow, I feel like I really connected. I got it. Did good. I mean, even in the room, they said I was, they really liked what I did and was very enthusiastic. And then I didn't get it. And then there were other times where I went in, I, I, you know, I actually did it on tape and I didn't hear anything. And then three weeks later, four weeks later, I find out I'm doing Sully. Oh my God. You know, and the, the audition was just a short kind of on tape uh, clip. So it's, I've had, I've gotten jobs because um, I had worked with the director before and I got offered that way. I've, I mean, I've got, had every sort of, you know, I've had every sort of experience about why I've gotten a role and why I haven't gotten a role. Yeah. So I've been on the side of both of all coins, actually. (laughs) Well, I'm very glad you got every role you got, especially better. Oh, thank you. Me too. I have to say I've, I've had, I've been very fortunate, very fortunate. And I'm very grateful for all of the, the roles I've gotten to play. I don't take any of that for granted. Now, uh, maybe you can't answer this because of contract issues. So if you can't just say pass and I'll okay. respect it. But uh, is there any chance you're going to like, uh, I don't know, maybe make a little better call Saul comeback? Oh, um, no, I don't think so. I don't oh. think I will. Bummer. I, you know, my, <laughs> my, um, my character was really um, about Michael McKean's, you know, helping set up or um, about, you know, his character and putting him and his character in certain kinds of emotional arcs or bringing a certain flavor or background or so I, 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 I won't be coming back. Yeah. I would be, I would be shocked if I was. Oh, well, let's call Bob Odekark right now and get you on. Yeah, he's a great guy. There, yeah. It's such a lovely, it was such a lovely um, show to work on. I was very grateful. Did you, did you know, like, I mean, obviously you knew because like Breaking Bad was such a huge hit, but did you know Better Call Saul would carry that same uh, um, magic? Um, no, I mean, I knew that, that Bob was really talented and all of the other, you know, Patrick Fabian and Rhea and, you know, they're all, you know, Jonathan Banks, you know, all of those guys are terrific actors and the writing and the production, you know, team were the same, you know, people that did Breaking Breaking Bad. So I kind of was like, and, and Vincent, you know, yeah. um, Vince, uh, he, they were also talented and really good at what they're doing that I, I mean, it would have been kind of odd if it didn't do as well as it has. Right. There's so much talent involved and they knew what they were doing. Uh, when was the last time you, uh, you, you did the, the band, the, the Jones, the Jones band? You... Oh, the Generation Jones band. <laughs> the Generation oh, Jones band. Oh, yes. Well, uh-huh. we're just finishing up mixing a couple of our songs and um, we're going to, that's so lovely that you you've done your homework that's so lovely i have asperger's i just didn't memorize the generation (laughs) yeah the generation jones band um we're we're we haven't been able to do anything because of covid any live performances so um we'll be i'm hoping i'm going to be setting up some gigs in february and march ah i want to come i want to come support 
I'll, I'd love for you to come. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I'll I'll bring all I'll bring all my fan. I'll tweet it. All my I'll be like, we gotta oh, go. Oh well, I mean, uh, you know, you don't. That'd be lovely. I would yeah. so appreciate that. But if you just came, that would also be really great. Because I want to be your new best friend. You know what I mean? I want to be promoted to Aunt Cusack's best friend. Ah, oh, I'd love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm putting it down. Get you on the get you on the list. <laughs> oh, I'll pay for it. Take it all support. No. Yeah. Hey, Rifters. This episode of Raise a Rift with Aunt Cusack is brought to you by amybrick.com. Is it time to sell your house? Are you ready to cash in on this amazing real estate market? Amy Brick can help. Amy is an amazing real estate broker. She gets homes, homes sold quickly for more with her two showing selling system. She routinely even shocks herself with the crazy high prices she gets for her sellers. If you're interested to find out how much your house would sell for, go to her website and contact her. Amy Brick with Brick and Company Real Estate. Amy's website is amybrick.com. That's amybrick.com. Her DRE license number is 01358129. Again, her DRE license number is 01358129. amybrick.com. Now, uh, I wanted to ask you three more questions. Uh, this, oh. question, this question is uh, for acting because like I've, like I've done some stuff, but mm. like nothing huge like you. But uh, I have a hard time memorizing lines. And oh, I was, yeah. yeah, and I was wondering because I feel like every single actor probably has that exact same part time like do you have any tips on how to memorize because what I do is I'll take what I'm supposed to say and I'll write it over and over again like on like actual write it mm -hmm. but like I, sometimes I forget half the stuff I write well I, I I do I have a kind of a this is this is my process of how do I memorize lines because I don't memorize lines very well it's not right. for me so so it's everybody now. it's not just yeah me. So some people do. Some people have photographic memories and they do it and they say it a couple of times and they've got it. If something is really well written, it's easier to memorize the lines because it makes emotional sense why you say one line and you respond with the next. So if it's well written, it is easier ultimately to because it makes sense. It makes emotional sense. And if someone said that to you, then you would say that back to them. Right. You, know, you understand. So that can have a huge factor as to whether it's easy to memorize something or not in terms of my experience. Um, but the way that I do it is I take, I take the scene and I literally write out every, each, each one of my lines. Then I go back and after each word, uh, I, I say the word out loud and I put a slash mark after the word. So if I was to say, say the line was, I don't well, want to go, here, I'm gonna write it out for you. I would write out, you know, say that was one of the lines. I would then go after I'd finished writing through the whole scene, you hand write it out. I, I would go, I don't want to go. And so it would look kind of like that. Can you see that at all? Uh, yeah. 
for the folks at home, it says, I don't want to go. I want, you know, that's a made up line, right? Yeah. And then I would do that with each one of my, each one of the sentences. And then I, um, and then I say them, the, li the lines out loud. Like I, I, I verbally say them out loud. And then I go on my iPhone, you know, or whatever you have, or if you can, any kind of recording thing. And I, there's this great app called Voice Memos. And I, I pull that up and I record the other character's lines. So it, there would oh. be a blank and I record, you know, whatever the other, per, other character's lines are. What they say, right. What they say. So, and then once that's done, I'll, you know, I'll alternate until I get really familiar with why I'm saying what I'm saying, you know, um, and then I go back and I practice with the, the, uh, the, what is it? The, 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 oh God, what is the it? voice messenger voice message. Right. So then it's like, if I, if the other character starts the scene going, you know, get in the car, we're going to the store. And then there would be a blank. That's when I would fill in. I don't want to go. Right. Know, as an example. And then the next character would. So I would. I would be. I'm kind of talking to myself basically <laughs> while I'm learning the lines. But I just record the other characters' lines and leave enough space for me to, you know, say what my lines would be. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I mean, I, I think I'm the same way because, like, when I I don't do the voice recorder, but like if someone says. Uh, let's go to the store i would say i don't want to go bring me back cheetos right so but but it's just doing it's just doing the scene right? yeah 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 right and then i just keep going back and forth repeating it over and over and over again and then you know the other part of the process for me is breaking down the scene into beats what are okay. the original beats of the scene and that also helps knowing you know um you know, if the scene is, say, for example, you know, I want you to, um, I want you to do the surgery because you're a doctor. Right. I'm the good doctor. And you don't want to do the surgery. Then I know that, you know, at the beginning of the scene there, you know, I'm, there's, uh, there's going to be, a, my objective is to get you to do the, the, to do the surgery. So if it's well-written, there's going to be a lot of different ways in which I try to get you to do that. Maybe it's manipulation, maybe it's, you know, pleading, maybe it's, you know, calling out whatever, you know, whatever the different kind of verbs are that you would use. And then it's that also can help in terms of just organizing the emotional, how you emotion, you're emotionally tracking the scenes. Yeah. Does that make sense? And then, so then you have, you've got, you're learning the words sort of by rote, then you put in the, the emotional components to it. You know, sometimes it's easy and it just kind of blends all together. And so, so then you eventually have, have it all memorized so that I can, you know, go through the scene and know what, he, what everything that I'm saying, you know, be able to just play the recorder without looking at the words anymore. And then of course you throw all of that out when you're actually talking to another human being and you're in the scene, because then you have to listen and play off of what the other person is giving you. But as far as getting yourself to a place where you memorize your lines, that's that's how I do it. That's that's a pretty that's pretty awesome. Like that that's because uh, like when you when you're doing it, it, it would like go in your head. You know what I mean? So you got it down. Mm -hmm. 
So that was you a- go in there once you once you get into the scene. There's or you know you're working. You want to know it so thoroughly that because um, there's there's so many distractions in the last thing on a set that that you're you know you're, people pay attention to is what you need in order to be able to do the scene. You've got the crews, you've got the camera, you've got timing, you've got pressures, you've got people, you know, touching up your hair and your makeup and, you know, you're supposed to do a heavy scene or emotional scene, or it's a physical scene. So it's about, you know, keeping yourself kind of focused and concentrating. So you don't want to feel insecure that you don't know the lines. Right. You want to make sure that you feel comfortable so that if the other character, you know, the other person you're working with may go up on a line, you can kind of maybe improvise and work it out a little bit. You know it, you know it so thoroughly that you can just relax about that part of it. Yeah. That you can then emotionally enter whatever the scene is. Now, do you, I mean, I know you've had a couple of these under, under your resume, but do you, I don't really understand the whole, like when you do a film or a TV show and then it says uncredited, like, does that like hurt your feelings? Cause like I have one uncredited thing and that it's like, well, I, mean, I, I don't really know what that, I mean, I, I think what it is, is that the, the part is so small, right? You know, that it's like two lines or something that, you know, it's not, it's not even worth it to <laughs> mention that you're kind of in it, you know? Yeah, I know. Uh, okay. But if you have, you know, if you have really kind of several scenes and full scenes, then, you know, part of that also should be like your representatives when you were, you know, signed your contract that that was in the contract that you you know your name is in the credits you know yeah. unless of course you know for some people who are you know really really popular and you know or um do what's called cameos where you know they show up in the the film but they don't really you know they may be on the the tail end of the credits but you know it's just really about them kind of popping up and kind of helping for a minute you know it's not really that's Spe- a whole dance, you know. Speaking of cameos, did you know that there's a website called Cameo where like people I could get you on this because I'm on Cameo if you're interested. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. So like uh people will pay like Ann Cusack, like whatever you charge, like you know, I don't mean to brag, but I'm a I'm a high roller, so I only charge seven dollars. But uh so oh. <laughs> oh man, you're breaking people's pockets. What's that man? So like they would give uh, Keith Reza seven dollars to like say a cameo like Happy Birthday Doris or whatever. Oh yes, 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 yeah. yes. Lori Petty, my fellow League of Their Own, you know, teammate. She she's on cameo and she does them. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I I haven't done that. I I just can't imagine that anybody would really <laughs> want me to do that. But I could check and do it. You know. Yeah. I could get you in. I mean, maybe I, I, yeah. I could do a get seven bucks a pop. Yeah, I know, right? I could. If they pay for Keith Reza and I'm just a stand up. Come on now. You're not just a stand up. You're not just any stand up. What are you saying, man? Uh, <laughs> give yourself uh, some credit. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I do give myself credit, I guess. I don't know. But uh, another, another question I had for you is uh, multiplicity which is probably uh-huh. one of the best comedies of all time. You think you so? Had, really? Oh, yes, definitely. And you had... Michael's the, Michael's you had one of the greatest scenes. 
because you were acting with Michael Keaton and Michael Keaton. <laughs> so uh, what was that process like? Like uh, that was that was so much fun. We spent two weeks, a little bit over two weeks, working at a restaurant, which was very, very had been very, very famous in the 60, 50s, 60s, I think. Well, no, no, into the 70s and 80s, actually called Chasen's. And so we were shooting in that in that restaurant and um, it was really, you know, it, Michael worked his butt off because he had, you know, he had to play, you know, five different characters, you know, so the whole thing was just basically physical comedy, which I never I didn't get a lot of chance to do. And I love because it was so fun. You know, I got my head slammed into a booth which was great. I ended up getting a mild concussion, but I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> it was <really> great. <laughs> Where he's sort of dragging me out so that, you know, the real Michael Keaton doesn't, you know, yeah. the clone or no, it's, it's about getting the clone. You're dating the clone. I, yeah. And then Michael Keaton comes and then they go to the bathroom, which is kind of weird. And then they come out and then the real Michael Keaton's with you. So I got the whole thing about him saying I hate pie and but I love pie and <laughs> what's happening here? You pie know. here sucks. Pie, you just said you love pie. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. He's so fun to work with. He's yeah. so great. Uh, uh, yeah, I know this because I do stand up, but a lot of people don't know this. He used to do stand up. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, yeah, he had, uh, Mr. Mom was a really kind of a, a, a breakthrough um, movie about changing, you know, the, the traditional roles about, you know, the mom is supposed to stay at home and work and clean the house and raise the kids and all that sort of stuff. And it was one of the first sort of role reversals where, you know, the stay at home dad, yeah. you know, and, and that that's, there's nothing emasculating about that, you know. Now, Anne, I know I said I had one more question, but I was wondering, can I do two more questions? You can ask me as many as you want. Oh, okay. So one, que one question number one. Do you have any cool Chris Penn stories? Because I know you played his, his wife. Oh, yeah, Chris. Yeah. Oh, yes. He was so great to work with. Well, right. Probably one of the best character actors ever, too. Oh, he was great. He was great. Um. I, I, he, he worked really hard and um, uh, it was amazing to watch him as he discovered and, you know, hit the emotional beats and that stuff. He was really present. He was very authentic when, you know, you were in a scene with him. Yeah. So half the work was done for me. All I had to do was listen and talk to him and, you know, he made me look great you know I mean he was very um he was very professional he showed up he did his thing um he was he was a private person you know um so uh uh but that was a great the brotherhood of um Poland, New Hampshire was a great that was a great I made some really close friends out of that that show yeah. You know? yeah. that's yeah. awesome yeah it was and then uh my last question, 
Did you know Gross Point Blank was going to be like an amazing film? Because I think it's one of the best comedies ever. Like, yeah, it, it, it is great. I don't think we, we uh, I know that we, ha- we all had a lot of fun doing it. And it was one of the first film that, films that John's production company produced. So, um, and it was, a, it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, yeah. um, and it was, it was a great time. And it, you know, uh, for, there's five of us in my family. So five kids and um, four of us were in it, which was, which was really fun. We don't, there aren't any other, I don't, yeah, no, we don't. Is there any other film that all four of us, all five of us are in? No, I don't think so. No, I think it's just it, gross point blank has has John, my sister Joan, my brother Bill, and myself in it. That uh, was really fun. It was a great. Oh movie. yeah, <laughs> it was really it was really fun. You know, uh, I like that movie because Dan Aykroyd's in it, and he has Asperger's too. So oh, does he really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So if uh, stand-up comedy doesn't work for me, at least I get to be a Ghostbuster. Yeah, do that. Or, or the other thing you could do, which which Dan was was he loved, um, you know, he set up the House of Blues. Yeah. Also Avalon. So he loved um, he had these great nightclubs in, you know, L.A. where people would come and DJ and music. And he just really wanted people to have a lot of fun and have a good time. So he kept trying to he kept creating or cre- did and has created a lot of venues for people to go have a, have a good time at night. Now, la- last question is what would you give uh, someone who's struggling, like a, an artist of music or acting, what advice would you give them to, to keep on following their dreams, to keep fighting? Um, a couple things. Um, one is you want to have a support system around you. So if this is your dream and you, this is what you really want to do and you know it's, it's your, your calling, you know, even if it's the calling for right now, make sure you have people that support your dream and that you support their dream. So you've created this community where, and people who are encouraging and believe that you can do it and that you should keep trying and that, you know, keep being tenacious. You have to be tenacious in this yeah. industry. If you're in the arts, it's about, it's about tenacity. It's about your relationships with people and being able to interact with them. Um, I, I feel like one of the biggest things um, that goes a long way is saying please and thank you, having man- manners. Yeah. So that if somebody does you a favor, you say thank you. And depending on what the favor is, either it's just a verbal thank you so much, or you send an email or a funny email card, or you send them flowers or whatever it is, you know, depending on how they helped you get the job or get the position that you wanted. And you make sure you say thank you. Um, and when you're on a set, because everybody is, 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 um, the nature of a set for the most part, it's pretty abusive. Right. Crazy hours, crazy times, you know, the COVID stuff and the COVID product protocols are, are really, you know, they, it, it does not help the, the process at all. And it makes it very difficult. So you've got a lot of people that are 
um, being pushed to the limit and the wall. So say thank you if somebody helps you. You know, the wardrobe people, you know, they spend the crews come before the actors as and leave after the actors do. They have crazy hours. So, you know, be kind from that standpoint. And, um, you know, it, the, the, the industry is about sort of relationships. That doesn't mean that you're a doormat, but it, it, but it does mean that, um, you know, know how to conduct yourself on a set if you don't really know how to do that. Um, and you've never been on a set before, just, you know, just for one show or one day or one film, be an extra understand the structure of the film, understand what happens. And there's, there's a hierarchy about, you know, and all has to do with who's closest to the camera kind of thing. So, um, and uh, um, you, have to, you have to believe in yourself. You have to have confidence in it and that you deserve to have your dream, that you can have it. And you, gotta, you just gotta go for it. Uh, you know? it? Figure out how to, how to you know, um, balance it out, but, but, you know, keep going and, and do the things that are going to help you continue to have your dream. Now you have to also be realistic, you know, right. about what your dream is. So for me to be Beyonce, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know I mean? To be a, a superstar like her, that's, that's not a realistic dream for me. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I so get it. Like, be um know know what your know what your know what your limitations are and limitations are not a bad thing um but they're they help you know where you you know how you can succeed with what you want to do so that you know if you want to have certain be clear about what kind of experiences you would like to have you know yeah. being just long i just want to be famous or i just want to have a lot of money or I just, you know, that's, you, you have to get specific about what the experience is. I want to be a part of an ensemble of people that are telling stories that, that really have an impact and are funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? I totally know what you mean, because first of all, before I tell you what I know what you mean, I was going to thank you. I don't know if I thanked you before, but I was. You did. Gonna, you were ready. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't want you to think I was going to say, ah, thanks for that. And I'm going to thank you as well for having <laughs> me on your show and asking. Yeah. But uh, no, but like, you know, like I said, I do stand up and I also write scripts and like how I write scripts. I mean, I haven't sold anything first when I do, I'm giving you a call, but, uh, <laughs> but like, I, I imagine like, my favorite actors or whatever in my head as I'm writing. So like I'm writing for them and their voice and stuff. So like, that's my dream is to like get stuff just to make people laugh and, you know, make stuff that I think it means a lot to me will yeah. mean a lot to, you mm -hmm. know? So, but yeah, I get that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 um, you know, the, in, the industry is based upon is, is on, you know, relationships with people. Yeah. And again, you know, have have certain, you know, boundaries about what you will and won't do, you know. Um, um, but it's it's um, and be you know be be careful about burning bridges. Oh yeah. And be careful about having an attitude of entitlement. Oh yeah, that owes you anything. Yeah, that and that is true. You don't owe anybody anything. So, you know, don't um, confidence is one thing. But being entitled and arrogant is a different thing, you know. Yeah. What I mean? 
I always think you should always, regardless uh, who you are, you should always treat people how you want to be treated. So I like, I, I'm always very like that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well Ann Cusack, I want to respect your time. Oh, and yours as well, my friend. Wow. Thank you so much, Keith. I had a lovely time talking yeah. with you. Yeah, it was so fun. I can't wait to see you and the Generation Jones. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Where can the folks at home follow and support you if you want to be followed and supported? Oh, well, just, just go to www.anncusack.com and it has all the, you know, information about, um, uh, you know, what I'm doing acting wise and also with the band. So, you know, I, I do, I, I do want to touch up on this because, you know, it truly does mean a lot to me just to talk to you because I get a lot of no's and the fact that you said yes really meant a lot to me. So thank you so much. Oh, well, you're, you're, you're lovely to talk with. And I, I appreciate how, you know, a lot of times I'll do some interviews and people haven't really kind of done their homework in the sense that they don't really, I'm not saying everybody should know every single thing I've ever done, right? but it's nice if they had the general strokes of some of the roles that I've had. And, you know, from that standpoint, and I, I feel like you, you came to this conversation with thoughtful questions and you knew some of the things I'd done and I was surprised by some of the stuff. So it was, it was, you know, I, I appreciated that effort that you made to. Of course I had a goal when I interview Ann Cusack, I'm going to make her become my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. You have to to send me your podcasts and and I'll send you stuff about the band and we'll, we'll keep this going. All right. Thank you. I'll send you my special on, so you could laugh too. Oh, yes, I would love that. All right. Thank All you right. so Thank much, you. Anne. Have a wonderful Bye, day. Keith. Have a great one. Bye. <laughs> All right, guys. That was my interview with Ann Cusack. Subscribe, rate, review, and enjoy the show. Thank you so much. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey, Rifters, this episode of Razor Rifts with Ann Cusack is brought to you by amybrick.com. Is it time to sell your house? Are you ready to cash in on this amazing real estate market? Amy Brick can help. Amy is an amazing real estate broker. She gets homes, homes sold quickly for more with her two showing selling system. She routinely even shocks herself with the crazy high prices she gets for her sellers. If you're interested to find out how much your house would sell for, go to her website and contact her, Amy Brick with Brick and Company Real Estate. Amy's website is amybrick.com. That's amybrick.com. Her DRE license number is 01358129. Again, her DRE license number is 01358129. amybrick.com. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, Terrible, doesn't matter. 
Also, follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there, www.stereo.com slash KeithRaza, and on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash KeithRaza. If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it, and we'll rift with you again soon.